and I just thanked God for that moment because I knew from then on there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that it was true. Hello and welcome back to the Bishop's Office. I have another conversion story for you today, this time with April Vandera. I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, April. It's great to catch up with you and to talk about your conversion experience. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Bishop? I'm doing good. Um, where, where did your story begin? Um, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Did you grow up in a religious home? No, I didn't. Um, although my mum and my dad have family background in churches. Um, we've never attended church my whole life um, until I think when I was about 14, I went to a church called Newton Christian Bible Assembly. Um, and that was because my sister went there with her friends so that they could get an ice cream sandwich. And then I went there so that my sister could get an ice cream sandwich. And that's kind of where my religious feelings started to grow. Well, that's interesting because I have a bit of a religious relationship with ice cream too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had this interaction with the church, but what about your belief in God? Is that something that you've had from a young age, do you think? I think that that period of my life, it was just before I'd moved. Well, it was a couple of years before I moved from Canada to Australia. And at that period of my life, I started to grow a connection with God. And I started to pray more fervently during that time. And as I prayed, I noticed that my prayers would get answered. And I suppose when I moved to Australia and David and I started dating in high school, I would say to him things like, oh, well, why don't we just pray about it? Because I had a strong testimony that if I prayed, Heavenly Father would answer me or God would answer me. Um, and so that was kind of the start of, you know, one of the seeds. There were several seeds, but that was one of my seeds. Did this propensity to pray come from your attending church or was that just instinctive for you? I think it was instinctive a little bit. My sisters have commented that my mum has never really led them in this way. But growing up, if there was a question my mum didn't know to answer, she would just say, why don't you pray about it? Um, and I've talked to my sisters about this, but they've said that mum never really said that to them. Um, yeah. And so it must have been some sort of guidance and direction that was specific to me. And I would go off and pray. Mm. Um, and so there was opportunities even before me going to the Newton Christian Bible Assembly for those opportunities. And I even had um, an introduction to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I was in my early teens as well, because a friend of mine in Canada attended there with his family as well. Mm. What were your impressions of him and his family? It was really lovely. I still remember one of my earliest memories of knowing that they attended church was when I went over there for dinner and um, they, we were about to have macaroni and cheese, I think it was. And I went to go and eat straight away, like I would at my home. And gently, his mum said, April prayer. And so then I just bowed my head and waited for them to say their prayer. And I felt a really peaceful feeling come over me at that time. And it was just a really lovely memory that I still have to this day. And so you, you mentioned, I guess, prayer being one of your seeds. It sounds like that experience was a, a bit of a seed as well. Um, mm -hmm. There are other experiences that you felt like either led you to the church or prepared you for being ready to accept the gospel message? Yeah, so this family would invite me over to babysit their children when they were going out. And I just loved being in their home and with them. 
and his name is Dave, but he's in Canada. And um, I would also get invited to like choir performances that he did at church. And I didn't really know what that was. You know, I just felt, oh, it's nice and lovely here and it feels comfortable and, and mm. I just felt safe. So you've moved to Australia. You've met um, your would-be husband at high school. How old were you when you became, uh, I guess, introduced to the church and started investigating more, um, more seriously? How did that happen? I think I was about 18 and my friend Dave, who was from Canada, was on his mission in Pennsylvania. Then there was these missionaries who had gone tracting down David's street. He was working at Holden's at the time. Um, and so he missed their knock on the door. And then the next week, those same missionaries had walked past that street and then just felt this really strong impression to walk down that street again and knocked on David's door and he was home this time. And then he said, oh, my girlfriend's friend, he's on a mission. His name is Elder Eden. Do you, do you know him? Okay. And they, of course, said no. <laughs> and he goes, well, just go and visit her. Her address is this. And so then they came and knocked on my door. And so let's call your David your David and, um, and Elder David for <laughs> the other one, just so we don't get yes. mixed up. So did, so did your David give you the heads up that the missionaries were, were coming by or did they turn up in and out? Um, no, he let me know that they were going to be coming. Um, and so then I spouted off a million questions to them to try and understand why my friend was serving a mission and giving up two years of his life. Um, and at the end of all of my questions, they said, when can we come back? And I was like, come back. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to do my exams soon. So come back. Like, I think it was October sometime or end of October. And that was like a couple of months away. And they were like, oh, this girl's just blowing us off. And um, then they came back and they realized that I was actually waiting for them. And, you know, I'd already planned to see them. It's just that I had set my goals for my studies and made it that that wasn't a priority at the time, obviously, for me. And my parents didn't want them in the home. So um, we met across the park or just out the front of my home. And then they organized for me to meet with Sean Speakman. And I would go and have dinner at his house with Eden Scott. Um, then she became Eden Trudgeon. And um, we would have dinners at their house and have uh, church discussions and yeah, I still have very fond memories of that time. I love that one, you were actually waiting for them to come back in a couple of months' time and two, <laughs> that the missionaries actually came back in a couple of months' time. So that's just yeah. wonderful, on, wonderful on both sides. That's, that's really great. So as you're investigating the church, it sounds like you're having these great experiences. You're being supported by members of the church and things. Were there particular doctrines of the gospel principles that stood out to you and really resonated during that period? There was, it, was, it was actually quite hard for me at times because I was such a logical thinker um, and I wasn't really connected with my deeper emotions. And because of that, I think that I kind of put a little bit of a wall up because I remember being in a mission president's fireside and I think it was um, President Strong and he was up there and he had said, anybody who has been touched by the spirit please stand basically has have anyone who's had an experience with the holy ghost and i remember feeling so alone um because i was just the only person it felt like i was the only person sitting down mm. and it wasn't that i hadn't felt the spirit it was that i didn't know that i'd felt the spirit 
And so then I remember shortly after that experience going to my bedroom and just feeling overwhelmed. Like I just needed to know. I needed my own actual 100% no doubt confirmation that the gospel was true. And I knelt down next to my bed and I prayed um, for my own witness. And then I felt prompted to open the scriptures and I opened a doctrine and covenants chapter six, verses 22 and 23. I can't remember the exact words of it, but it's like, you know, um, verily, verily, I say unto you, if you need a further witness, cast your mind upon the time when I spoke peace unto your heart. You know, did I not speak peace unto your heart? What greater witness can you receive than from God and then I was enveloped with an overwhelming warmth throughout my whole body and I just bawled and thanked God for that moment because I knew from then on there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that it was true and I haven't unwavered since. Thank you for sharing that experience it's so great. What I find interesting is that Heavenly Father created a situation where you could act in faith to receive the answer, right? So, you know, when we ask, we have to have, you know, a genuine desire to receive the answer along with what, you know, we often describe as a real intent and intent to act on that answer. And, you know, something about those circumstances at that mission president's fireside created that situation for you and the answer came. It's wonderful. Mm. Yeah, it really did. So so what happened from there? Um, Did you call up the missionaries and say, hey, I'm in? Um, How did you arrive at the waters of baptism? Um, I was still one of those people. Like it took me from probably October when they had returned and come to teach me again until May to get baptized. Mm -hmm. So all throughout this process, these things were happening. Um, You know, I was invited to come to church. I went to church. I was just wearing daggy everyday clothes. And I remember one time, um, it was Bishop Wills at the time, he was talking about tithing and I just felt the strong connection with tithing. I don't even know why. Um, And I have received other testimonies of that after getting baptised. And so there was these, these little seeds and testimonies forming of each individual principle of the gospel and I would constantly ask and challenge the missionaries with you know my concerns and my thoughts like how come we can't be in the same room as the men when they're going to priesthood and the women are going to relief society because I was studying social work and it was all about you know why do the men and women have separate roles and how come all these things so they got special permission just for me to sit in the priesthood meeting um, and realize there's nothing sinister going on and <laughs> you weren't looking much right <laughs> so it was just this really difficult but I it wasn't me trying to be difficult it was me genuinely trying to understand and I created through that process and through that process of actively questioning every single thing that I possibly had a worry or a doubt about at the time I really created this really strong foundation but the um the urgency came I suppose when one particular missionary Elder McCall at the time was going to be transferred and I was like well I actually wanted this this missionary to baptize me um and so then I said to him can you speak to the mission president or whoever you need to speak to to ask if you can stay one more transfer and I'll get baptized right away and he did and they said no but they did get permission for him to come back to baptize me and so then I got baptized quite quickly after that 
And so um, I'd love to hear about your actual baptism day. What do you remember? I remember that I was surrounded by all these beautiful people who I really cared about. And a lot of them are people who still will come to my children's baptisms, who I love, but who are not members of the church. And there was so many non-members and feeling so nervous about sharing my testimony that I actually don't think I did at the time. And then I remember feeling very clean and just a special warmth on that day. And so my, my testimony and speaking in front of other people and, and singing the hymns and all of those things were really difficult for me because I had low confidence in myself. And um, I remember one day on a fasting testimony meeting, David had happened to come to church and I was sitting next to him and I felt the spirit within me just, it became like a um, adrenaline rush. Like my heart was literally pumping out of my chest and I felt like I absolutely had to get up and bear my testimony that day. And so I got up and I think that was my very first time bearing my testimony and I bore my testimony and it felt to me when I was up there that the only other person in the room was David. And I knew that that testimony was for him. Um, He never shared whether it was important and he still hasn't to this day. But after that, he started to listen to the missionary lessons as well. So at this stage, when you're giving this testimony, were you guys married? Were you still dating? What was the relationship status? I think it was before we got married or just after we got married because I got baptised and then we got civilly married at the chapel in Playford. And then he got baptised in January 2007. And then we went to Canada and came back and um, got sealed in the temple a year later. Oh, wonderful. So I'd love to hear that process of introducing the gospel to to your David. How did that happen? When I decided to be baptized and join the church, after that, there was a lot of worry for him that I was going to meet a Mormon boy, as he always used to say, you're going to find another person, you're going to get married to a Mormon boy. And I would confidently, and this isn't like me, but I would just jokingly and confidently say to him, you are my Mormon boy, you just don't know it yet. (laughs) (laughs) And he would just like shake his head at me and laugh at me. And I remember having this conversation with him because the bishop at the time had come to me and had said, would you like to look at getting your endowments? And I went to have a conversation with him and said, look, um, I've been asked to get my endowments and what that means is I go through the temple and normally if you're going to get married and sealed to someone, you would do that at the same time as being married. And I said to him, look, if there's no chance of you wanting to join the church, that's fine. But um, I just want to know if you want me to wait or if I should do this now. And he said, just give me a year. And um, I did and I waited and, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit and go back to when we were teenagers and he would drive me around and we passed the temple and I looked at this this beautiful building and I said to him, what is that building? And it was nighttime. So, of course, the angel Moroni was illuminated and and he said, I think it's a rec center. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay, well, can you take me there one day? And he said, yeah, I'll take you there one day. And so gradually um, 
uh, his testimony began to be built as he listened to the teachings from the missionaries and they showed him this video called Together Forever. And as he watched that video that day, something in him changed because after the video, I think they asked him, would you be committed to be baptized? And he went outside and just walked and paced around for a very long time while I waited inside with the missionaries. And he came inside and he said, yes. And he decided to be baptized because I really feel like it was because he wanted us to be a forever family and he wanted our children in future to be a forever family. That was a beautiful day. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so you both ultimately joined the church and um, now have the gospel in your lives. You've been to the temple, you've had the sealing ordinance. How has the gospel influenced your relationship? How has it influenced the, the way that you try to raise your family? We're always trying to be better and we sometimes each of us might struggle or, you know, we need each other to to lift one another but we also try to do that with Jesus in our hearts and and in our lives there was this moment I don't even know when I heard about it but it was like the triangle in your marriage where it's you your partner and Jesus and as long as the two of you are trying to move towards Jesus you're moving towards one another I've always held that really close to my heart and so in times of difficulty I tried to say that to him and to myself that you know we need to be trying to move closer to Jesus so that we can grow closer together again because I know that that is what happens as we grow closer to Jesus we grow closer to one another and we're able to be more patient and loving and kind in our home for our children and be a wonderful team and leaders to our children. Now life hasn't been easy necessarily since joining the church. It's not easy for, for anybody. Are there particular challenging times that you recall? And I guess I'm keen to hear how the gospel or the saviour has helped you in, in your everyday life in facing those challenges. There's been like really dark moments for me. Um, I think that the gospel when you know like there were seeds and there were moments that the gospel could have come into my life earlier but they weren't the right moments and um when the gospel came into my life I was actually going through a very difficult couple of years I was very depressed and I struggled with who I was and who I wanted to be for a very long time like I felt like I was constantly falling short um, and I still will struggle with that. And it was only through being introduced to the gospel that I was able to come out of that. It was almost like when I was baptized, I came out a new person. Like I was able to get rid of that. But there are still moments where those things creep in because Satan really knows that I really struggle with myself and with not feeling worthy and and he will creep in those thoughts wherever he can possibly creep them in and it will trigger my anxiety and I will start to doubt myself and start to tell myself that I'm not good enough mm. and it's when I pray and when I read the scriptures and when I really try hard to understand his grace and how far his grace can reach that 
I'm able to pull myself back out of that. I love the clarity with which you've described, I guess, that adversary's role, right? And the lies that he tells us. And uh, yeah, just love that juxtaposed with the grace of, of the Savior. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, maybe before we close, is there anything else from your conversion experience or any other experiences that you feel to share with us at this time? I think I will share this really strong testimony that I have of tithing because I know a lot of people really struggle to, you know, give up such a significant portion of wages. And I know it's been something that, that my husband struggled with in the past as well. And and it's something that I've never struggled with. And I know it stems a little bit from that talk that day from Bishop Wills, but it also stems from when I got into a car accident, um, I was taken by a friend who I was working with at the time on my placement to a lawyer. And I had to um, get physio and other medical treatment. And so then I had to put in a legal claim. And on the day of settlement, I went in and the lawyer had set an amount and said, this is what I think we might be able to get to me. And then when he came out to me, he said, we got that amount and 10% more. Mm. And um, I knew that that was so that Heavenly Father could tell me that you are receiving this, but you are also receiving 10% for the Lord. And there was no question then for me that tithing is a gospel principle. It's something that he wants us to do. And he makes it easy for us whenever we obey. Like if we do what he wants us to do, if we pay the 10%, he'll bring blessings into our lives in abundance. And every other claim that day got less than they anticipated. Thank you for sharing that. Um, maybe just to close then, one of the things I find interesting about your um, conversion experience is the way that you described sort of the intellectual versus the, the spiritual. What advice would you have for somebody that's struggling with perhaps an intellectual question and that it's, it's standing in the way of their ability to either join the, the church or or accept the gospel wholeheartedly or to just have happiness in their lives? I have um, a dear friend of mine who's really struggling with a lot of gospel principles. He's not a member, but he is often coming back at me with facts and trying to prove to me that my church is, he's even said to me that it's, you are not Christian, that your sins are not going to be forgiven. Um, and he's trying to use facts to prove that to me. And when I say to him that the way that I have faith is how I feel, he says, so many other religions say the same thing. Mine is about how I feel, but it's also about logic. And I've been to that place where logic is so important and and yes to a certain extent it does need to make sense but there are questions that i have that i know will be answered because i know that heavenly father has answered every other question that i've had and even if it doesn't come now i know that it will come later um, and so my faith is about my connection and my relationship with god 
and how much I feel his presence in my life and how much I love him and how much I know he loves me. And it's no longer about those doubts and those questions. It's now about knowing and feeling his love and his presence in my life and knowing that I can turn to him in prayer and that he will answer even if he doesn't answer in the ways I want him to. He will answer in ways that I need. And I think it's really important to be aware of his responses um, and to notice the tender mercies and to remember them always. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me. I've really enjoyed how open you've been about sharing um, your experiences and the feelings and and impressions that you had during during your conversion and, and since. Yeah, it's been really, really great. Thanks, Bishop. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with April about her conversion experience. After the call, she confessed to me that she'd had a prompting that she should reach out to me to share her conversion experience, but had been too shy to do that. If you have an experience that you'd like to share on this podcast, either about your conversion, your mission, or just how the gospel's blessed your life, please do reach out to me. But that's all I have for you now until I speak to you again in the Bishop's Office.